Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Yay. Thank you. All right. I like this kind of earphone, this ear mask or microphone. This is fun. Um, am I too loud? Okay. Um, I titled this uh, talk, sermon, whatever Anna sees, but I very well could have titled it, um, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. And I have to warn you, I'm used to... T- teaching for two and a half hours at a time. So I hope you brought your lunch. And just kidding. Glenn said I couldn't talk that long. Um, Anyway, so let every heart prepare him room or Anna sees. So we're going to read that. There's only three verses on Anna, just three verses in the whole Bible. And then that made me a little nervous when I started preparing because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's only three verses. What am I going to say? But... In the end, there's a ton to say. So, And I'm not used to making slides for giant things, so it's tiny. Anyways, here's the, here's the verses. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Some versions say that she was a widow for 84 years after her marriage, which would put her at like 105. So scholars, not me, but scholars argue about how old she actually was. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very time. So this is right after Simeon blessed baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph were in the temple. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Um, What I realized after studying this for a while is that this is like a very condensed version of what it could mean to be a Christian, what it could mean to be a follower of Jesus because she went through some trouble and pain, right? She lost her husband. Um, she was probably experienced some loneliness, solitude, uncertainty, worry, as she forged a path of living alone, um, possibly taking care of children alone. So there was pain and difficulty in her life, which is true for all of us. And then she chose to worship Some versions, instead of worship, they use the word serve. Worship, night and day, fasting and praying. And then she saw Jesus. She experienced Jesus. She experienced the redemption of Israel. And that's what it means to follow Jesus, is go through trials and and difficulties, but also 
to choose to worship, to pray, to fast, possibly to serve, and then to experience Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about today is, is her preparing her heart, making a way for Jesus, and what that looked like. So my guess is, and this is just conjecture, is that the second her husband passed away, she didn't pack up her bags and move into the temple. I don't think it happened that way. I think when you go through a loss, when you go through a difficult time, it's, it throws you off. It's imbalancing. You don't quite know what to do with yourself. And maybe, you know, she had to raise kids. And, and so she, I don't think it was just like, oh, okay, I'm moving to the temple. I think it was small, faithful steps over the years, over those many, many years that she chose, today I'm going to worship, or today I'm going to serve, or today I'm going to fast. Um, and every day, maybe, she chose to pray. Um, so another little note that's going to come up a little bit later is that in the Old Testament, the temple was what? The temple was the place where God dwelt with his people. It wasn't just a building. And so when we talk about the temple in the New Testament, am I banging something that's clicking here? Okay. When we talk about the temple in the New Testament, it in the Old Testament, it meant this is where Jesus' presence was or God's presence was. So she was choosing to be in his presence when she went to the temple. Um, so that's going to become important as we talk a little bit later. So she was in the habit of placing herself before God and placing herself in the presence of God. All right, next slide. Um, so that's our choice too. This verse says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve or worship the Lord your God. That verse or that word serve or worship can be used interchangeably throughout the Bible. So serve or worship the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. So this is our call today as well. We can kind of look at Anna in these verses like a mother of our faith, right? Or a role model. She chose to do those things. She chose to serve or worship um, the Lord. And we can too. We can choose to walk in obedience to him, to love him regularly. And it's not like I chose it yesterday, so I don't have to choose it today or I didn't chose, choose it yesterday, so I can't choose it today, right? It's, it's any day we can choose again to, to move forward, to move into the presence of Jesus. Um, so it's interesting. We can go to the next slide, Naomi. Um, I thought I made these really big fonts, but apparently I did not make them big enough. Um, inexperience, but that's okay. Uh, here's a couple verses about worship. So come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Or shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. This is like calls to worship. And when you do a word search of worship in the whole Bible, it's very, very clear 
that we have a choice what we worship. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about worshiping false gods versus worshiping the true God or, um, yeah, over and over and over. It's like, don't worship those worship these or worship God. And so, um, we have a choice in Romans. It says they traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created, created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So there are lots and lots and lots of choices that we have today, right? What are we going to worship? What are we going to serve? Are we going to worship our phones? I know I struggle sometimes. I spend too much time on my phone. Are we going to worship what other people think of us? Are we going to worship how many likes we have on our social media page? Are we going to, what are we going to worship? What are we going to serve? Are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to serve God? And Anna chose to serve daily, regularly in, in, in God's presence. So the word used in the verse about Anna, I don't know how to say it. It's, I'm assuming it's in Greek, but um, I don't even know that. Uh, but it means to serve, to minister, to worship, to perform sacred services, to offer gifts, and it's the same word used when priests served in the temple. So when it says that Anna served, it's the same word used for the priests of her day. Um, so she was serving God in the same capacity, in the same way that the priests were. So she was offering God probably sacrifices and um, her heart probably and um, her worship. So we can choose that too. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. The next thing that it talks about is fasting that Anna did. And it's interesting because fasting is something that is used a ton in the Old Testament. And only it's mentioned only a few times in the New Testament, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. It just means that um, it actually, Jesus didn't say we had to fast, but he just said when you fast. So it's an option. It's a choice. And these are some of the ways that it's used in the Bible. Um, it's a moment, time of uninterrupted concentration. And this one really meant a lot to me because I was thinking, if you're a woman in the Bible times, you're probably doing a lot with cooking, cleaning, maybe going to the market, right? So if you're fasting, guess what? There's a lot more time to focus on Jesus and prayer and um, spending time in his presence. So that kind of caught my eye as a woman who is, you know, spending a lot of my time doing those things. But um, fast, fasting is a way to um, set aside some of those tasks and really focus on God. Fasting also demonstrates humility and repentance. That's how it's used in the Bible regularly. Uh, it, um, a time, a way to realize our own inadequacy, a way to look to the Lord, to ask for guidance. Or it was used a ton in the Old Testament when like, bad, the, the other countries were coming to destroy Israel, they would say, let's fast. <laughs> so when you feel like the enemy is against you, fasting would be a biblical response to that is to fast. And I know it's a weird time of the year to talk about fasting because I know I love to bake. I love to eat. And so this time of year is like all about food, it seems like. But um, there's lots of things that we can fast from. 
and sometimes it's food. I know for me, sometimes I've fasted from social media or, you know, various things like that. So, yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to point this out because this is one thing that she did in order to remember what we could have titled this message was preparing our hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. Fasting is another way to prepare our hearts to be in God's presence. Um, and again, with, with all of these things, these are disciplines. And if you ever read Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, which I know some of you have, um, he talks about disciplines as a way to make space. It's not like a transactional thing. I do this and God does this. It's a way to prepare our hearts. Um, so with all of these, the worship and the serving and the fasting, um, these are ways to come before God and walk into his presence, be in, be in his presence. All right. So the next one, thank you, Naomi, is prayer. And I'm going to read this quote again from Richard Foster. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. But in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves. Progressively, we are taught to see things from his point of view. All who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. Prayer is so many things, right? Prayer can be praise or adoration or requests or intercession or silence or listening. Um, just being present with God. So prayer is all of those things. So I want us to take, I'm used to teaching and we always do like interactional things. So I want us to take a couple minutes and I'm going to just read from Psalm 4610 for a few minutes, just a couple minutes, just meditate. I want you to meditate on these verses. It's very repetitive and just enter God's presence right now and to pray with me as we practice what we all do, hopefully every day, but just to practice a moment of that right now. You can close your eyes if you want or whatever you need to do to just really actively enter preparing your heart for him. And that is be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be.
can we just take this as our call, an invitation to enter God's presence more each week, each day, each moment through worship, serving Him, fasting, or prayer. Let this be an invitation that we all join in. So let's look back at our our verse again of Anna. I'm just going to read the last two verses. And then there was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So I want to like look at the pragmatics of this. This sounds impossible. Like I've talked about these disciplines so far, but it sounds impossible to do these night and day, right? When I think of doing these things 24 hours, it doesn't seem realistic. But I want, I think some of that may be literary license. I am sure she ate sometimes. I'm sure she slept and I'm sure she went out and spoke with friends, maybe visited children if she had them. Um, went to the market, cleaned her house. I'm sure she did all these things. But I think the message here is that her life was lived, set upon, focused upon God. So I don't want us to discount her as this like super Christian, super amazing spiritual person that I'm never going to be like her. Like I want us to look at her as that role model, that mother of our faith that we can emulate, we can move towards um, being like her because, not because she's better than us, because she's not, she's just another human being. But guess what? We're going to get to in just a second. What was the fruit, the outcome of her making these choices to put herself daily in God's presence. What was the fruit of that? And you already know because we already read the verse, but um, she had a choice, just like we have a choice every single day how we're going to spend our time. Are we going to put ourselves daily into God's presence or are we not? So let's look at the fruit of her actions. Was it worth it? Was her time spent in God's presence worth it? And I hate to use that because relationship with God is not transactional. But I feel like that's like a question that we we weigh sometimes if, in our humanness, right? Like, why should I do that? What's in it for me? Um, well, guess what? You can go to the next one. So we know she's worshiping day and night. We know she's fasting regularly. We know she's praying continuously. Guess what? She sees the redemption of the world, the redemption of the world. Like this is not just, I found the best Easter egg or I found Waldo. No, this is like, I found the redemption of the world. He, he is um, like God, like, you know, beyond words, there's no way to say, what she experienced. She got to see and be with God. And guess what? That's available for us, right? We get to see and be with and experience God. And these practices, the worship and all of that, 
Those make the way, they prepare the way for our hearts to be and experience God. And I know this is nothing new if you're a Christian, like this is not like, wow, I never heard this before. But it's like, for me, this was such a good reminder, like these disciplines prepare our hearts and we get to experience that redemption, that God just like breaking through, being present with us. Um. Do I have a longing to see Jesus more in my life? Absolutely. I want to be able to see him more redemption in my life, more freedom from sin, more light in the darkness. Like she lived in a time, Anna did, there was a lot of oppression. I mean, just think Herod, right? <laughs> like There was a lot of political oppression. There was a lot of maybe even um, gender oppression as a woman. I don't know. Like there was a lot of things, difficulties that she went through. It wasn't like she was, had this perfect life and then she saw God. It was like she saw him in the midst of darkness and in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of oppression. Um, and we all have our darkness, our darkness that we're going through or difficulties that we're going through, but we can see God in the midst of that. So that just because we're going through a hard time doesn't mean we can't see God. In fact, we can, it's even more important that we can see God, right? When we're going through hard times. Um, so do you have a longing for that? Do you have a longing to see more of God's light in the darkness? Like more of his freedom from sin? Do you want to hear his voice telling you which way to walk? Like it's, it's easy to feel like discouraged. Oh, I can't pray and fast like 24 hours. But this is available to us. We can imitate and learn from the, this image of Anna. So she, remember, she, remember we said she probably didn't pack up her bags and move to the temple the second her husband passed away. These were small, faithful steps that she made to continue to put herself in the presence of, of God. And so we can come to him with small, faithful steps of obedience as well. Um, so we're going to take another couple of minutes right now. And I just want us to ask God, what can I do? Where are you calling me to faith, a, a new faithful step or another faithful step? Or where do you want me to enter your presence more regularly or again or new? So let's just take a, a couple of minutes and just ask him, God, speak to our hearts. God, each person in this room, you have a, a message for them. You have a way that you, you long for them to just spend even more time with you or experience you more. Just speak, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for engaging in that with me. So we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a detour here. And I want to show you a picture. Next picture. Of a baby. This is one of my babies. This baby is a 60-day-old baby. Jesus would have been 40 days old. 
I'm not saying which of my babies this was because I don't want to embarrass this person. Um, but this is a very cute, very precious, adored, but very normal human baby. This is not God, not Jesus, right? Um, so baby Jesus would have been 40 days old. And if you saw a baby, what would make you say, aha, this is a divine baby. What would it take? What could you see that would make you say, ah, this is divine. This baby is not divine, although it is precious. Right? What, what would make you say that? How could you say that? So let's go to the next slide. So I am guarantee you there was no golden glow around baby Jesus's head. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but um, there was no golden glow. So what did she see? What did she see? How did she know? Right? Um, remember it said that Anna was a prophet? And what that means is that it's just someone through whom God speaks to his people. I feel like we have many prophets in our church here, thankfully. Like God speaks to a lot of us, through a lot of us. And um, Anna was one of those people. Um, we do know that in the Old Testament, there were five, at least five women prophets in the Old Testament. And there were several female prophets in the New Testament as well. So we, um, and of course, there were many male prophets in both. So we know that God is speaking through her, has spoken to her, through her in the past. And I believe that God gave her the spiritual vision to see what looked like a normal human baby and see God to see the redemption of the world. Um, so he gave her vision and I love it. Like where's, where's Cindy, Cindy, Brit, I, she put so many songs in today or who, Stephanie, whoever picked out the songs, so many songs about opening our eyes, having that vision. And I just like, I, it just felt like a God thing. So that was pretty cool that like, there were so many of those songs today is we, because I really feel like that's what this, this is about is that um, when we prepare our hearts through different spiritual practices, we get to see God and she got to see God. Um, and she got to see the redemption of Israel. So I want to talk a minute about the word redemption. So can you go to the next slide? So this is the most common way that we use that word today, right? Cans. Emma Shea told me that we get about $1,000 a year-ish um, from cans for our, min our food pantry ministry. Well, when we redeem an old can, it's already been used up, right? I bring in my empty used cans. The state pays me 10 cents each. So they have redeemed or bought back my aluminum cans so they can have the aluminum. So that's what redemption means. That's what that word means is to buy back. So next slide. So, but most commonly in the Bible, well, it was used two different ways most commonly. The one is, was for property. You could buy back property that you had had to sell for if you were in financial difficulties. Um, but you could also redeem a slave. If that, there was a slave and you wanted to buy back that slave and give them their freedom, you could redeem them. Um, 
How many of you guys have heard of International Justice Mission? I love this group. And they have a website, which I stole this picture off of, of a woman being, she and her family were set free from working in brick kilns as slaves. I think they look pretty happy, right? Like being redeemed from slavery is a very joyful experience. And they look very happy. So redemption can also mean freedom or to be loosed or set free. And that's how redemption is used in this verse and in a lot of the New Testament, actually. Do, do just for fun, do a word. Well, this is fun for me. I don't know if it's fun for you. It might be fun for Glenn. Um, do a word search on redemption. Just go to BibleGateway.com and look up redemption and see what you get. It's really cool. There's a lot of verses about being set free. And um, I'll show you a couple in a minute. Not yet. Don't switch yet. Um, so it's pretty clear in the Bible what that redemption of Israel, what he came to set us free from. It's very clear. Any guesses? What did that read? What did like basically every verse in the New Testament say God, Jesus came to redeem us from? What? Our sins. Absolutely. That's what he set us free from. What? The wages. Yeah. Yep. From the consequences of sins as well. So he, and now I've had some of my students are like, oh, well, what's a sin? A sin is when we miss the mark, right? A sin is when we mess up. A sin is when we aren't who we wish we were or who God wishes we were. It's when we, we break that contract with God of who he wants us to be. Um, so the redemption of Israel, God, Jesus came to set us free from those things. Um, so have you ever felt trapped? Have you ever felt enslaved by anything? Um, maybe, maybe there's something these days that you feel like I can't break that sin or I can't break that habit or I can't get out of this, whatever depression, or I can't, I can't get out of something. Have you ever felt trapped? I remember when I was eight or nine, my brother trapped me behind the couch and he wouldn't let me out. I, to this day, I have claustrophobia and I'm pretty sure it's from that moment. I was so scared. I was screaming. I was trying to kick at the couch. I was angry and I felt powerless. And I think when we feel trapped by our sin or when we're stuck in sin that we can feel all of those feelings, right? Um, when I was older, I had some friends who thought it would be hilarious to shut me into the trunk of a car. All of those same feelings came back. I was trapped. I panicked. I screamed. And again, I felt angry and helpless. And again, like God comes to redeem, buy us back, set us free, from the things that are entrapping us, from the things that are um, keeping us from him. So the Bible is very clear about what Jesus, the redemption of Israel, came to set us free from. Next slide. Tiny font again. Okay. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. This is Psalm 130. Um, For with the Lord there is gracious love, along with abundant redemption, and he will, listen, 
He will redeem Israel from all its sin. Romans 8, 2. Oddly, all of the verses didn't show up there. But because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from what? The law of sin and death. He has set us free from that. And I know this is like, quote, base, you know, Christianity 101. Like this is like the basics, but this is so powerful. He set us free from death. He set us free from sin. And that's why when Anna saw him in the temple, like she just started preaching. She couldn't help it. She just like ran into the redemption of the world. She had to tell people about it, right? Um, next slide. The beloved one, this is Ephesians. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He lavished forgiveness on us. And then Colossians, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He set us free from slavery to sin and death. Next slide. So 1 Corinthians, um, haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that he lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you for God has bought you. He's redeemed you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. Remember when we talked about the temple at the beginning, how in the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God dwelt with his people in the new Testament. Guess where his temple is. It's in us. It says God makes his home in us. So Anna shows us the benefits, the beautiful benefits of setting our hearts and minds on God. On God. She shows us that God comes and reveals himself to those who make that place more and more available in their hearts and minds. He's making his home in you, right? And so because of that, how can we use every part of God's home to give glory back to God? How can we make more space in God's home for him? Next slide. So then, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Oh, Cindy, do you want to come on up? Sorry. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. How is he calling you to set your heart more on him? How is he calling you to set your heart, heart more on him and your mind more on him? He wants to show us more of himself, more of his beauty for our ashes, more of his freedom for our imprisonment, more of his joy instead of our mourning. This is not like a legalistic thing. You have to go and spend one hour a day fasting, you know, whatever. This is not a legalistic thing. We don't have to earn God. But he wants to bless us with himself. So how can we make more room in our hearts? How can we set our hearts more on him?
Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.